You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one, welcome all, to the greatest show of them all. This is volume 99, the last one in the double digits of the NFC East mixtape. You can listen to this show on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. That is Blogging the Boys for Dallas Cowboys coverage, Bleeding Green Nation for Philadelphia Eagles, Hogs Haven for the Washington Commanders, or Big Blue View for the New York Football Giants. You can also watch this show on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel. He is Brandon Lee Gatton from BGN. I and Margie Ochoa from BTB. And Brandon, I'm not here to be a jerk. Philadelphia Eagles lost the Super Bowl. Um, I have a lot to say, and we have a lot to get to. There's actually some other NFC East things to touch on as well, but obviously um, it's been a long few days for you, I imagine. Lots of content you have been uh, grinding away at. No, not even, RJ. Um, I'm exhausted. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm very... It's not even... It's not like, uh, oh, I'm so sad or angry. It's really not the tone. I'm just, I'm really tired. And I think part of it is how it ended in the sense of, you know, it's like you, I, I think back to you know going to Cleveland and Miami and watching the training camp practices. And then obviously just the training camp practices in Philly as well in late July. And you, know, you go through all this from all that time ago and so many things have happened in that time span, like, in life in general, it's not even talking about football, football as well. Um, and it's just kind of weird for it to all end. So anticlimactic. It's like, th- that's what all this was leading to this very historical, maybe the best Eagle season um, finish aside of my lifetime. And it's just, it just ends like that. And it's like, okay, weird ending. And also uh, just not even ready for me personally, at least, you know, I, I think other people have turned the page quicker than me, like talking about mock drafts, Right, like, I could just not care less about that right now. Like, like I just want to almost just like this f that. Like, I don't effing care about my mock, mock draft. Who cares? I don't freaking care about that right now. I mean, I'll work up to the point of caring about that closer. You know, maybe in a week or I don't know when it'll take. But it's just like, no, <laughs> like, like I'm I'm supposed to care about that and just like get mentally geared up right away for uh you know uh, another long process like this just to have it potentially end like that. Um. The last thing I want to say here, because I, I know I've, I've been going on long, is that, I mean, it's almost just like, and I, I'm going to have some dramatic comparisons, I'm sure, on this show. And one of them is like, it's, it's just akin to me for like someone being like, you know, let's say I was married and, um, you know, God forbid my spouse died. And then like someone at, uh, the day after the funeral is like, so you're thinking about dating or you on the after? It's like, bro, like the, my partner just died. Like, I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm not ready to, me personally, I'm not ready to move on. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, we are recording on Valentine's Day, so a very romantic analogy uh, from uh, from Brandon Lee Gowden, uh right there. Happy Valentine's Day to you, Brandon, certainly. Um, it was anticlimactic 
obviously we'll touch on the penalty a little bit. You've touched on it a lot at BGN Radio, and everybody at BGN has done so. Um, I touched on it with Jamie Reisman on Monday Football Monday on the ESPN Nation NFL show. If anybody wants to listen to that, we did have Pete Sweeney on, who was wrong, um, thought the Chiefs would win this going away. I would say the Chiefs, you know, really just kind of came in and stole this at the very end. So Pete was wrong in that sense. Um, but, you know, I was right. I thought the Chiefs would win in a close game. Not that that was like a, a Vogue or, or that was a Vogue opinion. It wasn't like, you know, incredibly rare. Um, but it, it did feel like, um, I, I mean, like you mentioned the the length of the Eagle season. And, and I think it's important to talk about life. And we talk about that a lot, right? Like how how married, no pun intended to what we're talking about here. Um, what we do for a living is with our lives. Like um, I was going to come in here and make like an Astros joke, like the whole like Phillies postseason run happened and all that, right? Like how many, like how many seasons of survivor did we watch and finish in the, the Eagles run, right? Like how many, you know, I don't know, like other personal journeys were you on? Like, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and for it to end, is is just a difficult pill to swallow. However it ends, even if it ends the way you want it to end, I, I was struck, I was reading um, Bo Wolf's uh, recap at The Athletic, and he reminded me, I mean, I obviously knew this, but just like reading the uh, the Jason Kelsey quote that this was the second loss that the Eagles had with Jalen Hurts specifically. And so like, in addition to what you're talking about, how it is this like finality, it's also like a rare thing, right? <laughs> right? Like, like how do you how do you process this? Like, and, and so for it to, to happen in this game of all games is, is like, you know, and I, I'm not the biggest college football fan. I know you aren't either. But like that's kind of how college seasons go, right? Like you're just like the whole season is win, 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 and then one loss, and that one loss is the loss, and that so that can be a tough thing. Uh, yeah, and you know, I just get into the penalty. You know, look, um, everyone's go. Like, oh, James Bradbury said it's a penalty, so it's a penalty. I mean, like, come on, like, what is? I hate to be the what is he gonna say guy, but what is he gonna say? Like, <laughs> he's literally incentivized to not say otherwise because you get fined if you criticize the refs. Now he could have said something. I guess else that wasn't critical, but I also think you need to say the tone. He wasn't like enthusiastically like defending the refs, like <laughs> like the context uh, or with the removing the contest might make it seem on like uh, just what he had to say on Twitter. And look, you know that was the only defensive holding call of the game. And you know I I know you said on the SB Nation NFL show, and I know our good friend Stat shared this opinion. And like I, I get what you're saying in terms of. Uh, it's not about like, oh, you can't call that there in that spot. It's not about that. It's not, it's less about that and more about, I think it's hard for that to be the, the first defensive penalty call because it's like, okay, this really didn't happen the rest of the game at all. This is the one and only time this happened. It, and and look, just rewatch the play. It was not egregious. It really was not at all. And if the context of that game and part of what Bradbury said, like he's he basically admitted he was holding earlier in the game a lot or at least more more than once. And, you know, that seemed to kind of be how the refs were officiating this game. They were letting them play. Um, and I, and even look look at Juju's reaction after that pass is incomplete. He looks more bummed to me that it's incomplete than he is, like, outraged that he got held. I don't even think he he thinks he got held. And also the flag came out late. So, um, you know, look, it's, it's, it's not the only reason they lost. There's obviously a lot of um, missed opportunities. And we always talked about how you can't put yourself in a position – where there is a bad call that could impact the game, you know, there's accountability to be taken there. But man, like, it's just really frustrating that it came down to that. Like, I feel like, <clears throat> obviously, you didn't want the Eagles to win, so you're like, whatever, you're not going to be upset about it. But even like non, I feel like this is. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of the sentiment I saw from like 
unbiased fans, people who didn't really have a dog in the fight, so to speak, were like, man, this is a pretty lame way for the Super Bowl, which is such a great game up to that point to end on this call, as opposed to here. Here's how I want to uh, actually set this up. So uh, someone I follow on Twitter, good friend, Arkansas Fred, I thought phrased it well. Um, he said, like, instead of, uh, you know, getting to see this legacy defining drive from Jalen Hurts, we just got or wait, I'm going to I'm going to butcher it. I have the exact word in here. Um, I'm just pulling it up. Uh, Elon's Twitter is a joke and terrible to use. I'm trying to figure it out here. I'm scrolling through my timeline. And here it is. He said that. OK, I just don't have it. Um, you can do I'm this. trying to get it up. It's so pathetic. It's just like I'm trying to look for this one tweet and I'm scrolling through. And it's this is a disaster. Um, um, why don't you look, say something to Van? While you look for the tweet, um, I know that like your position is like people were robbed of like this incredible potential drive from Jalen Hurts. I will say like um, I'm not here to like debate the legality of the penalty, right? Like I I'm not you know whatever it was holding. I I I can I can understand how somebody can see that as a hold. I can understand your point. Um, my take that you mentioned and Stats's take because he and I were talking about this. Um, was it's stupid to say you can't call it in that moment of the game. Like, a penalty is a penalty. Like, that's that's my only point. Like, and again, like, that's independent of this specific penalty. But, like, a hold is a hold. A false start is a false start. You know what I mean? Like, like you should not – like, a penalty should not not be a penalty in certain moments. That's only my only take on this situation. I understand um, it was anticlimactic. And so to the point you brought up, like, oh, people were robbed of a potential hurts drive. I also, like – I like, even the Butker field goal – was not thrilling. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was just like, you know how, um, th- this is what I'm going to equate it. Do you have the tweet before I do that? Yeah. I don't wanna, okay. I don't want to get was, too far from the tweet. Instead of a potentially legacy defining drive, we got a bunch of scolding hall monitor types telling us why it was the correct call. Like, I mean, that's just the reality. It's like, okay, but if, this is cool. like, I, again, I don't want to debate this thing, but it, like, if it is the right call, then I'm happy. The right call is made. That's all I'm saying. But, um, what it felt like to me is, um, You've, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? I mean, I, I imagine the answer is yes. So, like, I watched most of Breaking Bad on Netflix. Like, I didn't want, I think I only watched the last season on TV. Um, but so, Breaking Bad, like a lot of shows, you know, when you're watching it on Netflix specifically, um, you know, and it's like episode 12 of like uh, a season that has like 24 episodes. If, if Walt was in danger, I was never like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen here? Cause I knew like, I still got like 20 episodes left. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Walt, Walt's going to be fine. Like this is going to get worked out. It's kind of like, um, like, you know, back to survivor when you're fast forwarding through commercials or something and you're like, well, there's only like 12 minutes left. You know what I mean? Like in the hour, like some, they're going to have to figure this out in this time. Like you can kind of context clues it a little bit and it kind of ruins reality. I don't know if that makes sense. That's how the Butker field goal felt. Like it, it, it the the like the coolness of the moment even if you think the chiefs winning was cool which i obviously did um the coolness of the moment was impacted it just it was deflated a little bit because even if it's the right call because the it's a penalty like again mm-hmm. even if the penalty had been egregious even if you agree with it like the fact that such a pivotal moment happened that way is just like whatever i mean if it were a movie i would want it to be different but it wasn't a movie it was real life um and so it is what it is I do want to say at the beginning here, because we're only about 10 minutes in, I mentioned this on the NFL show, and I wanted to say it here. I don't think Nick Sirianni is going to get enough credit, uh, A, for how he handled himself after the loss. And I don't think that any Eagles player is really getting a lot of credit. I think, no offense to Eagles fans, but I think Eagles fans being upset about the call is overshadowing Eagles players being like, look, dude, that's the call. Like, we're not going to complain about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they deserve a lot of credit mm-hmm. for that. 
And I also I think that I think Especially the Nick Sirianni. Especially in contrast to the 49ers still whining. Like literally up to the Super Bowl. You had a lot of thoughts on that. And Debo I literally understand. called James Badbury trash. Like, come on, man. Like, really? Um, like, that's just I'm not here to, on a human level. I'm not here to defend the Niners in any way <laughs> for, for how they handled themselves. But you used the words human level. On a human level, I do understand them feeling like it was not, you know, the best way for them to go out. Like, that's a hard pill to swallow. I get that. But obviously, there's a lot. Uh, there but the thing i don't think nick sirianni is going to get enough credit for is the the non-timeout call i don't know and this is difficult for me to say i don't know that there's a coach who understands the value of timeouts in the nfl more than nick sirianni obviously this is um leading to the it was 39 right and and he takes the false start or sorry, takes the delay of game as opposed to burning a timeout it becomes third and 14 and the goddard play happens that andy reed challenged i thought it was a I thought it was the right decision to challenge. I didn't think he was going to win, but I think you have to challenge that, right? Like in that moment, you know, with everything mm-hmm. on the line. Um, but, but that was that, that. That's an elite move to not call that timeout. To understand that that timeout, that's a move that Andy Reid doesn't understand even himself. Now well, a two times Super Bowl winner. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny though because you you could also say, okay, it shouldn't. It's not good that you're not getting the play calls in quick enough. There, something was wrong sure. in the process because that was happening a bit at that point in the game. Like it was like the play, like they had they had the delay of game. Um, so don't love that part of it. Um, but overall, uh, I don't know. I struggled to kind of categorize this game for Sirianni because I thought he did a lot of good things. Obviously, you look at the success of the offense; he deserves credit for that. You know, Shane Steichen's the play caller, but Sirianni is the one. You know. It's, he's part of the process still. He's putting the plays into the play sheet that are getting called. Um, so I definitely think he deserves credit for that. And the team was not unprepared at all. I mean, they deleted half time. Like they did, I don't think there's a lot to say he was disastrous. But at the same time. Did, did you see this AJ Brown tweet or quote going around at this point? Quick, quick, I don't know if you've seen thing. it today. Yes. Well, okay. This, so this is going to touch on what I'm about to touch on. I mean, I think he needed to be more aggressive. And I don't think A.J. Brown was ripping Nick Sirianni there, right. to be clear. I think he was just being honest in terms of, well, that's the thing. When you kick a field goal to go up six on Patrick Mahomes, who, like, you weren't stopping, then what does that mean? <laughs> There's no point. It's not – they're not making a two-possession game. You still need – the Chiefs are still probably going to get a touchdown, and you're going to be down. So, like, I, I definitely think he was – I said – and this is not hindsight analysis. I said prior to the game on BGN Radio that Patrick Mahomes is Michael Myers from Halloween. Like, you, you can, like, shoot him with a shotgun. You can light him on fire. doesn't matter. Dude's going to keep coming back. You have to do, like, literally everything you possibly can. You have to, like – you know, wrap him up in a coffin and then sink that coffin to the bottom of the ocean and then like, and then put him in a meat grinder. Like you have to do like every possible thing. And I don't think Sirianni did that. And it's easy for me to say from, you know, my chair here as a podcaster. But again, I said it from the, the outset that he needed to go for these on on these fourth downs. And he did just at some points in the game. I don't want to say he never did, um, but to not go for it at the fourth and two, I think it was at their own 32. Right. When Down by had, one at that point. Like, right. Yeah. And I know like maybe game's over if you get that, but guess what? Like, why would you think that Jonathan Gannon was going to get a stop? And also from a standpoint of who do you trust more? Jalen Hurts, who was like the best player on the field in the entire game. And we'll get to him, I'm sure. Or Aaron Sipos, your punter who's coming off an injury and hasn't been good anyway. Um, like you put the ball on your punter's foot and it didn't work out for you. So I, I definitely think Sirianni could have been better. It was not like a, an F game for him if we're talking about a grade, but it was not, it was not an A game or, or maybe a minus, but it was not an A plus game. And you need an A plus game to beat Mahomes. 
I agree with that. Um, I'm talking. I agree with you. Like the process that led to the great, non, you know, non timeout call was broken, right? So like it's like, oh, cool, you dug yourself out of the hole, but like you still dug the hole, right? Um, and I actually have never understood that phrase. Like you dug yourself out. Like you don't dig to get out of a hole. You know what I'm saying? Like you the digging's the already. Yeah. Like, you well, yeah, you do. You just keep digging it deeper until you get to the other side of the earth, and then <laughs> climb out. I mean, that, I won, that's a, I, a weird phrase. But um, I had another thing on the Bradbury penalty. I wasn't done with that. I mean, yes, you can say it's a penalty, but like, yeah. I mean, again, you have to look at it live versus the like. If you zapruder it, yes, it does look like a penalty. And also, okay, also going sixty-two in a sixty-mile-an-hour speed zone is speeding. But like, really, if you're gonna get pulled over for a ticket like that, are you really gonna be like, well, I? The police officer I mean, is right. I was definitely speeding. Like, but like, well, to, especially with the context of there's areas in life where you can probably get away with that a little bit more than other areas, you know, where like this is a strict 25. I know areas like that, but some areas when it says 25, it really means like 35 or 40. So, like, um, and in this game, the context was that like they're not calling everything tight, they're kind of letting the players play. So, that's just another frustrating aspect of it. I get your point, and I've brought this up many times at BTB, so people have heard this, and I don't know if I've ever brought it up to you. If I've ever told you about the purple pants rule? Mm -hmm. the, yes. Yeah, the purple, the purple pants rule, very, well, very quickly, is if you have a job, and you the job's like, we're going to pay you all this money to do this job. It's a super awesome job. Here's your contract. But then in the contract, it says you can't wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays, and you sign the contract. Like That might be a dumb rule. But like if you sign the contract, like you know that's the rule. And so if like you wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays, and then you get in trouble and you're like, can you believe this? My job is like penalizing me for wearing purple pants to work on Wednesday. This is so stupid. Somebody be like, yeah, that's dumb. But like, is it a, is it a rule? And you'd be like, well, yeah, it's a rule. But like, well, it's a rule. Like, you know, it was a rule. Like, and so I don't want to get hung up on that. Like, I don't think that's fair to Bradbury or to the Eagles or even the Chiefs um, to get hung up on it. But I understand the significance of the moment. I do want to get back to the fourth and two Michael Myers mm -hmm. thing. Um, so I know everybody brought up the Doug Peterson, very similar situation, went for it against the Patriots and like. That's kind of the difference um, in this game. And I actually wanted to bring up a tweet of yours after the, was it, I don't know if it was fourth and, or fourth and three that the Chiefs chose to kick the Butker field goal. And I recognize that was, I would honestly say that was even worse. Um, early in the game, the Butker missed, the doink. Um, that was an even worse oh, yeah. decision. Because what was that? Like, they were at the Philly, like, whatever it was, like, 30-yard line. Like, so you're even, you're further downfield. I know Sirianni's punt was, like, on his side of the field. Um, so like in that moment, I think the whole world is screaming, you got to go for this. You have Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You missed the field goal. It's the football gods laughing in your face, blah, blah, blah. But you tweeted right then. You said, Nick Sirianni goes for that. And I was really annoyed. But in that moment, I thought he's right. Like Nick Sirianni would have gone for that. In that situation. Yeah. Yes. But, and so like, they're not the same situations, but like at that point, everything you said is true and valid. The context of the moment that hurts is playing out of his mind, blah, 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 you know, whatever you have to go for that. And, and like, that's, that's the really, that, that, that was the rogue one sort of storyline of Sirianni's game. I thought like that was the biggest mistake he made. And it felt like, I know the Tony play or the Tony return was so, like so quick, but it just felt like it went from, and the, the Brown uh, quote I'm talking about was when they were up 27, 21, mm -hmm. he said, he said, I thought, I thought we could still lose. And it was, it was so fast that it went from like a six point lead to an eight point deficit. Like it was, it was like 10 minutes of real time. And it was, it was literally like a blink and you, you have to know that you have to play that way. And I give Sirianni is really annoying, but I give him a lot of credit for playing that way all season long. And he got to that one moment and he, he stuttered and obviously it was, uh, it was fatal. Yeah. And I was never feeling comfortable with a 10 point lead. I mean, I think, I think I, I go back to, and I, again, I said this prior to the game on the podcast about why you need to treat Mahomes like he's the Michael Myers bad guy. 
is because he go back to when he was coming back from uh, these huge deficits against the Texans and the Titans back in the playoffs. What was that? I don't know, like three years, whatever it was ago now. And um, the Niners. They overcame a 10-point lead in that game. Yeah, like it just doesn't matter. Like the ten point and the ten point lead especially meant nothing because the Chiefs got the ball first at the you know the beginning of the second half. So like it wasn't like you know. But I will say, um, you know, we can talk about the Bradbury call, debate that or whatever. One thing that another bad call that I think is kind of getting overshadowed is the Devontae Smith catch that was ruled a catch and then overturned. I, I really disagree that you can say that was a hundred percent not a catch and that is the standard. It's not that hey we we think it's probably incomplete. We're like ninety nine percent short. No. You have to say with beyond the shadow of a doubt, it is clear and obvious. And I don't think that was clear and obvious. I think there's a level of debate. And to be clear, if it was incomplete, it was ruled incomplete, I would say the same thing. I, there's just no, it's not conclusive. It is yeah, inconclusive. One of those like, oh, it's going to be what they called it on the field. It's yes. not like it's, there's not enough to right. overturn it one way or the other. I and mean, that was a big deal because they would have had the ball at uh, the 13-yard line with like just under a minute left. And there's a decent chance they get seven there instead of three. So I think that's kind of gets lost in the shuffle here. I'm I'm with you and I'm not trying to just be negative because again I came here not quite extending the you know proverbial olive branch but wanting to talk about this in a fair way but like you know the Devontae had a, a catch that was not a catch in the NFC championship game and I know they blew out the Niners so like it really was inconsequential but like you know this like I know it's a big moment and it's a big game and like but like those I don't want to like I'm not going to sit here and be like the Eagles got all the calls all season long I'm like that's not true like every team gets calls every team has calls work against them blah 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 um but well, but the to the, I know that challenged it like we we said I, they I mean I recognize that but that's to, on them that's to, not like to the Eagles getting to the point of the, the 49ers being dumb right right back to the point of this game well I mean it's it's also the officials messing up I mean like that's part of what it is too like you know and that's why Roger Goodell's like there's never been better officiating stuff line was so stupid or whatever but um but like I I don't think this was a catch but the Miles Sanders fumble like that's obviously what Chiefs fans counter what you're saying with right like oh that could have been like a a, a scoop and score too. I, I will say, and I said this on the show on Monday, um, I do, and I think you agree, I respect the officials letting that play out. That should be the rule always, right? Like, if, mm. if you're questionable about something, let it play out, because if that had truly been a fumble, then obviously we want the right result, you know, to be what happens. So I agree it wasn't a catch, but I do also agree that it's kind of close. I mean, like, it's mm. it's kind of debatable. If it had been ruled a fumble, I don't know that I could have seen them, or they did rule it a fumble, obviously, but, like, if, if more people thought, if Greg, I, I wonder, like, I talked about this with Jeremy on the show. Like, I wonder how much Greg Olson's comments sway people aside from fandom. Like, I do think some impartial people were swayed by Olson coming down so hard on the Bradbury penalty as one example. Um, and that's just kind of the way like humans work. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on all of that together. I was never really worried about that, like standing, because it seemed like, again, if you Zapruder things, it's different than watching it in the moment live. And it looked like a bang, bang play. That play happens like many times in the season where it's clearly incomplete. They're not going to give that. They're not going to say established possession. Um, so I don't know. I was never really worried about that being ruled. A, the Sanders fumble, right? Yeah, a ruled a fumble. Although Sanders, terrible game. <laughs> really bad game for him from the jump. Bad way to go out, play. right? I mean, probably not returning. So just a, a bad final moment in an Eagles uniform. Other than the only way I think he's back is if like, you know, he's out there in the market for a long time and his price just comes like way down and you bring him back at a, a rate that you thought would not be possible. And that's that's not like out of the question. There are a lot of uh, free agent running backs, I believe, who are going to be on the market. It's a competitive market. Um, and, you know, he might take a million dollars less, just for example, than he would uh, for some other team that he right. like, moving well, sucks, the Texans right? or whoever. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think it's impossible that he'd be back, but certainly you're not like 
making him a priority to, to resign before free agency begins. Um, on the subject of that, as we kind of like move to the aftermath of this all, um, I mentioned Bo Wolf's column in The Athletic. He said, and I think this is fair, um, that it is very unlikely that the 2023 Eagles are as good. You can define that like how you want to um, as the 2022 incredibly team. unlikely. <laughs> well, I know. I, it's I know. Like and like impossible. I, I mean, we're going to talk about regression to the mean a lot. And I said that a thousand times last year about the Cowboys defense and look at what they did from a turnover standpoint, right? Like they were like the one. So like, it's not impossible, but it is incredibly unlikely. The sacks will likely regress. I would argue that to some degree, doesn't mean they'll suck. AJ Brown will regress a little bit. Devontae Smith even hurts to some degree, the rushing success. I think it's really dumb if the NFL like constitutes this rule to like fight against the like scrum play. Like that's dumb. Like it's, it's within the rules. Like, why, why are we what's the impetus like, for it? That it was, it successful? was wildly like, successful. Yeah. I mean, but Oh, last thing on the game. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't like have a plan to write an article about this, but like, I would like to see some sort of study on the art of, of like screaming about a penalty because the false start right before the Eagles were going to run the scrum play, um, that they were called for. Who was it called? Who was called for that false start? Isaac um, Samalo, the Eagles right guard. Um, like that was that was maybe the most critical swing in because in, you go from like what was probably a first mm-hmm. down to the Hertz fumble that is obviously the touchdown. Like, and I don't know that the false start gets called if the Chiefs aren't like screaming their heads off about it. You know, like the, mm-hmm. and even even the Bradbury penalty, you sent Juju was quiet, but Mahomes right away is calling for the flag. Mm-hmm. Like there is. No, there is like a human element and it came out and he saw it after his pass was incomplete. I don't think he was. Well, you know that like there are times where like players or whatever, like beg for a call and they get one. I don't think he was begging for the call. I think he saw the flag and he was pointing at the flag. Okay, so Holmes aside, but the false start, I I partly believe was at least partly generated by the Chiefs raising awareness to it. You get what I'm saying? Like, and so there is like an I don't want to say an art to that, but that is like a small factor in football. Uh, in sports in general, right? Like flopping or whatever. But um, but that was, I think, I said it on, on Monday with Jeremy. That was one of the most impactful false start penalties in NFL history. Like that swung the game, basically. The, the Hurts fumble. Yeah. No, it's definitely, um, yeah, it was. It was huge. The Hurts fumble, is just, it's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Because, again, I, I said this to Jimmy Kemsky on BGM Radio. There's nothing, like, interesting to say about that from, like, there's no bigger point there. It's just an incredibly unlucky thing that happened. Unlucky like, and uncharacteristic. For yeah, that's season. what I mean. It's not like, right. well, there's this. Is there this bigger concern that hurts us because I just drop the ball when he's running? Like, no, that's, that hasn't happened like once this year. It's not like Carson Wentz who was fumbling a lot because he had terrible pocket awareness. Like it's not. It's, it's nothing. It's indicative of nothing larger other than this one very. It's not like, hey, the Chiefs made a great play. No, he just dropped the ball. Like it's, I just don't even, I don't know how to reconcile that. And sure enough too, it bounced in a way that was not favorable to the Eagles, but right to set up a chief's touchdown. Um, So like, I don't know, there's nothing interesting to say. And it, and it really like, uh, he had an awesome game otherwise, it, but it's at the same time, it's hard to just like ignore that part because you can't just give the chief seven points. You can't give Mahomes a seven points. That's a huge deal. But at the same time, outside of that one weird fluky mistake, he was like, he was the, Pete Sweeney said it. A Chiefs, you know, Chiefs uh, reporter himself said that not Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field in that game. I think if not for the two 
I mean, the two touchdowns are a big deal, but like if not for the two cute little Tony Sky Moore plays that are the touchdowns for the Chiefs, like that padded Mahomes' resume enough to win him the MVP, right? Like, because my point is like, if those had been like Isaiah Pacheco touchdowns or whatever, um, or, you know, something like similar like that, Jarek McKinnon like runs one in, whatever. I think there, there's a, a far more compelling case to make Hurts the MVP, even though the Eagles lose this game, which would have been, I want to say ironic, but uh, coincidental that it would have happened the weekend that Chuck Howley was announced as a Hall of Famer. He's the only MVP of a, of a Super Bowl loss um, in NFL history. So it would have been just kind of interesting that that lined up that way. It, it, it definitely did. I mean, the fumble is the only demerit on his thing. And you're right. Like, um, I'm sure you remember the Dak fumble that he had in Philly in 2018. It was kind of similar, right? Like he was just like running and it just like fell out of his hands. Um, it wasn't like, and that's, I, I get that it's probably difficult to reconcile because it's not like he got sacked and it was like a punch out. It was just like a, mm-hmm. a perfect bang, bang play. It's just like drop. drop the ball. Like it's just a weird, you know, kind of like fluky thing that never happens ever. Um, it's tough. I mean, and it's, it's tough to say that like, I mean, like there's a lot of reason for hope and optimism for the Eagles, but like he, Jalen Hurts had maybe like his finest hour and they didn't win the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a hard thing to get. And I don't say that to, to be mean or anything. It's just. It's I get that no, it's it's, a tough that's week. the whole tone of the game. And like, I think they were the they, they've scored the most points ever in a Super Bowl loss. Like this was the game that in so many other Super Bowls is a winning game. Like, right. It's just not in this game. So that's, and that's the tough part. I'm sure. It's not like it's not like they came out and they sucked and it's like you can be mad or it's, no, there's like it's 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 been again part of the reason um, it's been tough to talk about after the loss because there's not a lot to like take on like have takes on like oh this play yeah. just, just and like there's the things you can nitpick sure but you can do that in literally any game ever even the chiefs i'm sure have things they're gonna not like no they're gonna celebrate sure but you can if you really want to you can go through things that happen with them in this game and you can nitpick and say oh we could have won by more of this blah 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 so like i don't know it's just not it's the it sounds simple only one team can win the game that's the rea- <laughs> that's the reality of the game this was really that like um, this was like a 51 49 split and yeah. in Kansas City was just on the 51 side of things. Um, you mentioned it. Most points ever scored in a losing effort in a Super Bowl. Obviously, it's been well said. Uh, second team ever to blow a double digit uh, lead at halftime, obviously joining the 2016 Falcons. Um, that one's obviously more embarrassing for you know obvious reasons. Um you know, we'll talk free agency stuff, obviously, in the coming weeks. And I know you have a list um, up at BGN, all the pending free agents on the Eagles. And there are a lot of important ones. Uh, I would guess Jason Kelsey is at the top of your personal list. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, we just see, you know, if he wants to play again. Or right. Not. Like, that's also a unique thing. But, like, as far as, like, most important players, he's got to be at the top of that list, I would imagine. Like, who's topping him, if not him? Again, I'm not even, like, I'm not okay, even okay. there. I'm not even ready okay, well, to... Uh, it's just this... like there's plenty of off season. We'll get to it, but it's just like we don't need to. I mean, not we. Again, I'm not gonna begrudge anyone who wants to do that and look ahead. But like, I'm I'm just mentally not there. Someone who writes about the team literally every day, right? All the, for the past sure. a billion okay. days, I'm just like I'm not ready. Um, so to sort of keep things positive, although I'm not necessarily interested in that but i mean let's also be fair and objective um i wanted to look because it's so often said like oh it's really difficult to get back to the playoffs if you lose a super bowl and i was kind of curious because i didn't totally remember um and i meant to only list 10 but i listed 11 on accident um, when i was compiling the notes which uh will serve my um two in in six argument very well i imagine with the audience uh but so these are the last 11 teams in reverse chronological order so like most recent to further in history um and what they did the Bengals a year ago uh, obviously lost the super bowl 
And they made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. And they lost to the team that won the Super Bowl, obviously, in the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, you know, good precedent there. The year before, mm-hmm. the Chiefs lost to the Bucks, And they obviously made it back to the playoffs. They lost in the conference championship game. So you're talking about the last two teams who lost mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Both made it back to the AFC, or in their case, the AFC championship game. Um, the 49ers lost to the Chiefs the first time around. And they missed the playoffs the following year, but they had the most games lost due to injury in 2020. Dallas was second on that list that year, uh, but San Francisco obviously was just so beat up. And so they missed the playoffs entirely. The Rams, after losing the Super Bowl in the 2018 season, missed the playoffs in 2019. So very few teams on this list, as you know, Brandon, have missed the playoffs after losing the Super Bowl. Sean McVay, one of them. Sean McVay also had the worst title defense of all time. But tell me more uh, about how Sean McVay is the next Bill Belichick. The 2018 Patriots, who, of course, lost to the Eagles, they came back and won the Super Bowl the very next year against the Rams that we just talked about. The 2017 Falcons, I consider that to be the most impressive one on this list, just given the way they lost the Super Bowl. Um, They did make the playoffs. They won a playoff game against Sean McVay, again, the next Bill Belichick, um, and did lose uh, to the Eagles, obviously, um, in the division around the playoffs. Um, the 2016 Panthers, who this team kind of felt like to me, this Eagles team from like a just pure domination standpoint all season long. I'm not saying they will have the same fate, but they did miss the playoffs the following year. But again, tell me more about how great Ron Rivera is. Um, in 2015, the Seahawks, after the Malcolm Butler pick, they made the playoffs and they lost to the aforementioned Panthers in the divisional round of the playoffs. Last three here, the Broncos, after getting embarrassed by the Seahawks, they did make it back to the playoffs and they lost to the Colts in the divisional round right before the deflate gate um, saga was born. In 2013, the Niners, who had lost to the Ravens the year before, they made the playoffs and lost in the NFC Championship game. Uh, that was the uh, Richard Sherman, Michael Crabtree, um, mm. you know, sorry, corner game, whatever. Um, and then the last one on this list, the 2012 Patriots, who lost the Super Bowl, uh, to Eli Manning in 2011, that season, they did make the playoffs in 2012 and lost in the AFC Championship game to the Ravens um, in Joe mm. Flacco's run. So of these 11, uh, last 11, only three missed the playoffs the following year. And uh, the Niners one, you can kind of chalk up to the injuries um, and the other two, you can chalk up to some poor coaching in Sean McVay and Ron Rivera. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like, oh, no, the Eagles can't make the playoffs next year, especially in an NFC that is not, like, shaping up. Well, that, but that narrative exists, and that's why I'm saying, like, that narrative is kind of false. Uh, Sure. Yeah, I'm not, like, worried about that so much. It's more of just actually being able to win the title. <laughs> A lot goes into that, and the Eagles were so healthy this year. And, look, I think there's reasons to be optimistic um, and pessimistic, and I, maybe I'll do that for a column for BGN, reasons to feel good about uh, the team moving forward, reasons to feel bad. If you're looking for reasons to feel good, you know, Jalen Hurts being as awesome as he was. And honestly, you know, look, he's 24. It's possible he still gets better. Wait, might he regress in some ways? Sure. But, like, is it also he could get better? Yeah, I think it is. I think with Jalen Hurts, specifically because he's gotten better basically every year, in the past whatever many years now um i definitely think that is a big point of optimism and yes the Eagles are gonna have to pay him a big contract extension but still you have some kind of window with him here i do believe in that much i believe that nick sirianni has shown enough to at the very least show he's not like a liability and he does give this team an edge in terms of culture in terms of analytics and being aggressive so you have that going for you um i still think 
even though the Eagles are losing some coaching staff members, there are still talented assistants here. So they have enough here. And, you know, they're going to retain some of these reasons. They're not going to lose, like, literally every single one. Right. And they well, do they, have and some. And they have the 10th pick in the draft. The 10th pick. They have some replacement right. plans in place in terms of, like, Cam Jurgens being on the roster and Nicobe Dean being on the roster. Um, so they're definitely not hopeless by any means. Now, that being said, again, they were so healthy. You're not going to get that health luck. Probably just not. Like, it's not going to happen. Just because you were incredibly healthy this year. Um, and so you, to, to your, I don't say pessimistic point, but to your pessimistic point, not that they wouldn't have beaten better teams, but like you're probably not going to have the quarterback situation happen in the NFC Championship game. You're probably not going to draw, you know, a, a Giants team that was overperforming on the season in the division round. Now, they earned those benefits. We talked about that a lot. But like, you know, the division's well, yeah, harder. You, you know, might not get the one seed again, to your point. Right. Right. I mean, uh, like, so... A lot of those things are fair and true. Like there, that's that regression will come in certain ways, and it mm-hmm. will it will go the opposite direction. You know, in things that were negative this season, obviously, um, and that's like the thing. Like you, you know, e- even regression can happen like week to week. You can have literally the third best, you know, sack group of all time, and then not get a single one of the Super Bowl. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just it can be that <sighs> fluky sometimes. That's that's, a little... that's the biggest disappointment I would imagine. That is, it is, but like I have a hard time totally being. I, I can't. I just can't buy that. It's like a hundred percent. The pass rush just didn't show up. Like that is so impossible for me to believe that. Like that is a hundred percent the case. Because like, what does that even mean? They just got bad all of a sudden, or they weren't trying. Like, I think you have to say more than zero percent that a field with slippery conditions, which is just a joke that even it's exists at all. Like it's just pathetic. There's no good reason for that to be a variable in this game, especially to the degree that it was but i think it did specifically not prevent the eagles from winning but i don't want to hear that like oh both teams had to deal with it yeah they did but like let's say rj that i uh which which hand do you use are you a lefty or a righty i'm right-handed all right who do you know a lefty i mean yes i've in my life i've known somebody who's left-handed yes who is it uh my mother-in-law is left-handed Okay, so let's say you and your mother-in-law have to perform a task. You have to take a test, you know, like a written test. You have to write like an essay. Okay, both of you have to tie your right hand behind your back. That's not proportionally, like, uh, it doesn't affect you evenly. Like, there's there's definitely Um, a team that is impacted more. And I think specifically when it came to the edge rusher matchup, the Chiefs' offensive line is definitely good. And they should get a lot of credit for playing well. Patrick Mahomes deserves credit for getting the ball out fast. Certainly, these were factors. Andy Reid deserves credit for scheming, Eric Bieniemy, all of that. Yes, all that is true. At the same time, the biggest advantage the Eagles had over that Chiefs offensive line was on the edge against Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. And you saw in the game where there'd be rushes where Josh Sweat and Reddick would be rushing them wide and they would just fall down. <laughs> like That's tough. That's um, tough to see. I don't have a passionate take on the – other than like it was, it's stupid that this would exist. Well, this did would be you see the case. this text from Stats? That's what I was about to read. About this, okay. Yeah. So uh, a tweet from Ollie Connolly is if Stats knows that we're talking about this and need this, uh, he uh, he texted us this. Ollie tweeted that he charted slip slash sodgate. Those are Ollie's words, not mine. The Eagles defense had a player slip on 38% of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks. Five times they had multiple slippages. The Chiefs defense had a player slip on only 14% of Jalen Hurts' dropbacks with no multiples. Um, Ollie did the work here, so I'm not trying to um, you know, be like, hey, give us some more work. I think he has a sub stack, too, um, that people should check out, uh, the read optional. Um, I would like to know what the dropbacks were. 
You know what I mean? Like, what were the, like, was one the Kelsey touchdown? You know what I mean? Like, I would like to understand what specific, like, were they inconsequential? Were they all incompletions? I'm not saying this makes it any better or worse or whatever, but I'm just curious. I do think at the very least, kind of like the Bradbury thing, um, I don't mean to lump all of this into this word, but it does ruin the aesthetic of the Super Bowl, right? Like, it's the yeah. freaking Super Bowl, dude. Like, it should be cool. It should, everything should Pathetic. be perfect and immaculate. Like, you should not have a, a crappy field um, that they took all sorts of victory laps on. I'm sure you saw. Uh, in the lead up to the game. But okay, we have a lot more to get to, um, but we should take a break. So let's do that and hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brandon, during the break, I told you the movie that I watched over the weekend. What was it? I don't know. She didn't actually do that. I mentioned it on the NFL show on Monday, so I thought you would remember. Um, I watched Top Gun Maverick. I hadn't seen it. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. So I watched it. It, it ruled. Like, it was so cool. Like, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I partly loved it because I remembered Miles Teller, like, continually coping uh during the world series um about how like what was the line he had like in the in the like hallway he was like remember this is going to be the moment that the phillies came back and won it so um it makes it easier for me to enjoy but that's the my only snide remark uh this particular episode um i feel like we've done all the like super bowl post-mortem that we can we do have other eagles things to get to if you're ready to do that well i will say um controversially low-key the person i believe in charge of the field is a chief fan so or is from kansas city at least so you know a little suspicious um okay so you and i started recording this actually on it is tuesday valentine's day it's now 12 p.m central uh, central standard time on the dot uh we started recording right when shane steichen's introductory press conference happened as the new head coach of the indianapolis colts um Mm. before we get to that it did feel to me i don't know but like like both coordinators were going to return and then sunday morning happened it felt like sunday morning before the game was the like wave of like well both shane steichen and jonathan gannon are going to leave after all blah 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 like and it makes sense obviously like given that the cardinals and colts to be clear um at the time of this recording there's still no news on the cardinals job but it it, it does make sense but it was just kind of like out of nowhere like these big bombs like they're about to you know take these jobs so uh, i'm sure that made the day more interesting as well uh, there's some writing on the wall in terms of I think we we'd seen like the Cardinals are pausing their search. That was kind of midweek last week, and you know the the fact that this the Colts search was going on for so long, there was some you know thought that okay maybe they're just waiting for a Super Bowl assistant, and right. certainly that was the case. I believe actually when you pair it to Mike Silver, he on Saturday night said that like there's buzz that um, Steichen and Gannon are very much in play for these Colts and Cardinals jobs, even though we hadn't seen a ton of that. So 
Uh, there was an inkling there, but certainly it became more definitive on Sunday about Steichen to the Colts. And uh, interested to see how that goes. Steichen, you know, had a big role in the Eagles' offensive success. He took over play calling for Nick Sirianni during the turnaround. That was in, in 2021. Right, okay. Yeah, that's that's our understanding. I wanted to make sure the the Cowboys fans listening and reading um, believe it. To Again, I don't want to, like, you know, just be so, like, obtuse, but, like, the offense was was not thriving Steichen took over by the way Shane Steichen called plays for Justin Herbert his rookie year with the Chargers um but so Steichen takes over I don't know if it was mid 2021 but then then the run game gets going and obviously it was the play caller in 2022 yeah and again I want to make the distinction that it's not like like Sirianni is you know part of he's putting plays into the play sheet that are getting called like he is very much involved in the process it's not like a hands-off process um but yeah I mean that's going to be a big uh, thing for the Eagles to replace here. It seems like Brian Johnson, who is the Eagles quarterbacks coach and has a relationship with Jalen Hurts and has been an offensive coordinator at the college level at Utah for two years, Houston for one year, and then Florida most recently for one year um, will be the replacement. He's getting a lot of interviews for other jobs. I know the Ravens hired Todd Munkin, but Brian Johnson was said to be in the mix there and Possibly the timing of Munkin getting hired today on Tuesday might have to do with the fact that Johnson will not be leaving because he's going to stay in Philly because Steichen is an Indy. Uh, so that's, the I think, the big name to watch there. And then we'll see with Gannon. Um, you know, I think Steichen's obviously the bigger loss just because of the Eagles' offensive success. I don't think it's like that they're doomed without him because I still think they have a lot of good things going for them. And I think Johnson, is, from what I've gathered, you know, I don't, I have not seen him call plays extensively, but from what I've gathered in – Press conference settings, he seems like a real inspiring guy. Jalen Hurts loves him a lot, so they're on the same page. Um, so that's the offense. And then Gannon, we'll see. Yeah, uh, but would not be heartbroken to see Jonathan Gannon go. Um, I haven't been a Jonathan Gannon fan. I have said before that I thought he was over-criminalized. He is clearly, um, I think, the term scapegoat implies that like he did nothing wrong. He obviously did not have a great game in the Super Bowl. Um, zero sacks, like, zero takeaways, and you based in Mahomes completed over eighty percent of his passes. Like it's just, it's not that you're going to shut him down, but you need to do like you need to have one thing to hang your head on, and he and he didn't. The only stop he got right was the, the um the missed field goal where the Andy Reid should have went for it. And did well, they punt? To your, they no, they kicked the field goal and he missed it. Harrison Butker. So no force punts, right? No, there were, sorry, well, there were a couple punts. Yeah. There okay. Were. But like to, to the point you made, whatever it was, 40 minutes ago, I mean, they're a what BLG deems to be unfair penalty. I'm not saying you say it was unfair, but you get my point. They're that away from him getting a critical third down stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, and again, I'm not sitting here and be like, let's give Jonathan Gannon a bunch of credit. But like, you know, if you're an Eagles fan, you can't out of one side of your mouth be like, the penalty was crap, blah, blah, blah. But Jonathan Gannon oh. did nothing. I mean, so. Even if even if that was the case, I mean, it's still the same result in terms of you allowed they ultimately allowed a field goal. Yes, a field goal with more time on the clock, but you in the second half, there the Chiefs drives would have then been touchdown, 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 field goal. Sure. Like it's not it's not great. I mean, it, it was a below was, average performance anyway. You, you slice it. I feel agreed. Like you can't get, I mean, Mahomes zero sacks, scams, zero takeaways. And he had one incompletion in the second half, and it was the you know crazy you know merry-go-round thing, whatever. Um, but I mean, it is Mahomes, right? Like, so this becomes this like we don't have to like Mahomes everything, right? Like, oh, like we, he doesn't have to be absolute trash because he got outworked by Patrick Mahomes, right? Like a lot that welcome to the world, you know what I mean? But I again, 
I, I get the point. All I'm saying is like he was a very good defensive coordinator for most of the season. He had his flaws. Unfortunately, his, for you, his biggest flaw was in the most important game. Well, this, but that's something we said leading up to the game. That was one of the biggest concerns, and I wrote about it for uh, the, a post that ultimately went up on Arrowhead Pride, like the three reasons why we think our, each of our teams will lose and gain in against quarterbacks who are any kind of level of good to great above that. Not good. Not a good track record. And the Eagles didn't play a ton of those this year, but when they did, you know, they certainly did not shut down Aaron Rodgers. Dak had that huge game. Like, it's just... You can't get – it just seems from a philosophical perspective that Gannon's strategy to really kind of dumb it down is just like to wait. To wait and kind of hope that quarterback's going to make a mistake and and rely on the pass rush. And it just feels like sometimes you got to have like a trick up your sleeve or something. You have to force the issue, I feel like. that You can't just let the other quarterback methodically move down the drive because I get like the – I know you don't want to allow big plays in theory, but sometimes – a big play, especially like if, if let's say the Eagles allowed a big play at the end of the game on that that final drive, the Chiefs score, then he goes and have a chance to get the ball back. <laughs> like the thing with Jim Schwartz when he said to Doug Peterson at the end of Super Bowl Fifty Two, he literally there was like a mic'd up clip of him saying like I'm going to get you the ball back one of two ways, either like they're going to go score or we're going to get a turnover. Like he, his point is I'm going to be really aggressive here and it's either going to burn us or it's going to work out. And sure enough, it worked out. And even though Jim Schwartz allowed 33 points in that game, he like he he made he this is what Gannon needed to do. He needed to have that one play to be able to hang your hat on to steal a possession, and he never did. I mean, they almost they tried to let the Chiefs score at the very end on the McKinnon play. But I mean, again, I'm not again, I'm I'm really not gonna sit here and defend Jonathan Gannon. Um it, yeah, I think it was too late at that him. point. They really should have like let him let them score earlier. Like I, don't, I think Pacheco had that big run to the left side and Chauncey Gardner right. Johnson came down, and made a good tackle. And I know it's hard to be like say don't make the tackle but it's like you almost have I, to, I just think have to do that. I think if anything and I think I think people are only applying this to Jonathan Gannon like maybe the Eagles defense and again I'm not here today to be rude but like was a tad overrated across the season and some of it was a result of the quarterback play like you talked about like and that's not their fault right like they just mm. played who was in front of them um but like like you said I mean who was the best quarterback they played before this was it was it not Dak I mean, you know, like, like the best three would say were Aaron Rodgers, Dak and Jared Goff, probably. And they all and, had like big performances. Right. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, and I'm again, that's was, not that's not to say wasn't. like, oh, they yeah. are losers and trash. But like, no, they you set know. the NFL record for sex. Like, you're, right. you can't, who, you can't who was the, almost did. I'm actually asking the question. Who was the like stellar quarterback that they limited? Kirk, maybe that's the one. That's the that's the best one you can point to. And obviously I'm not really feeling super strongly <laughs> about that but really just going back to even last year though like this the whole sample size of Gannon like what what can he hang his hat on and be like wow he really had that game plan for x and I, I get it like these quarterbacks are great so it's not I'm not asking him to be like zero touchdowns three interceptions and that's not no one is asking for that but like, can you not get eviscerated by them can you not allow them to complete over 80% of their passes. Like, it's just too easy. That's the thing. I think it, it come, there's a crux of it. It's like, it's just too easy at a certain level. It's like the, the other quarterback doesn't even look like they're like sweating out there. It's just like, oh, this is really easy. I'm just going to pick him apart. It's laborious, yes, because of how much like you have to methodically move your way down. So it takes like effort in that sense. But in the standpoint of like, it's just the whole, you're gonna, we're going to play off all this. I'll take advantage of that. And I think this is what I said to Jimmy on BGN Radio. I'll repeat myself here. 
it's tough because you see, you know, a lot of a great stuff from Gannon in terms of these defensive ratings and whatever you want to say and how they rank. At the end of the day, though, this elite quarterback thing is a big deal if you want to win a championship because you're going to have to stop one at one point. And I just feel like it's hard to feel like you're ever going to get over that hump with him. They almost didn't have to. I mean, they were, you know, who knows to what degree away from their three playoff games coming against Daniel Jones whoever you want to call the Niners Chad quarterback Henney. for the game um, and Chad Henney, you know what I mean? So, um, and again, like that's the kind of like, call it luck, call it whatever, that is probably not going to be as prevalent next season. And so you're probably going to, I mean, you are going to have to play more elite quarterbacks. What? So you play the AFC East, you get, you get Mahomes first of all, because of the 17th game. Mm-hmm. That's the chiefs yeah, foil this year. Uh, you think so? Like you really probably. believe that? I mean, why, I don't what know. else are they, what else are they going to put there? I mean, that was, my argument to Jeremy on on Monday was like we've kind of seen everything else. Like I don't need to see another Mahomes Allen. Like you know, right. you know, just like it would be the most too, interesting thing would be Chiefs Eagles. It's too. It's just I feel it's a no brainer. You're just you're, you're officially like tying a bow in the 2022 season at that point right. and kicking it off into 2023. Um, well, the Panthers did have to go through that. I mentioned that to Jeremy as well. Um, they had to visit Denver. Um, and watch them raise the banner um, for that Super Bowl. But, um, okay, so Mahomes is one. I would put Dak up there. Again, um, not in this order, but Mahomes, Dak, Josh Allen's another, obviously. Um, it, it depends, obviously, what happens, you know, this offseason, obviously, whether Aaron Rodgers is a Jet or not, uh, whether what Miami does, maybe you believe two is in that mix. Um, the Vikings, you'll get, you know what I mean? Like, again, I know you don't believe in, in Kirk Cousins, but that's another one. Um, and whatever the, um, this is the NFC West, right. For the, the NFC East this year. So I know you don't want to like think too far into the future, but like Kyler, maybe I know they beat the Cardinals this year, but by the way, did you see, um, that the chiefs had, this was really funny. Uh, chiefs had more wins in Arizona this year than the Cardinals. Yeah. That was, that was also going <laughs> to apply to the Eagles. If the Eagles won. Oh, that's right. Because they won there. Yeah. Too. yeah. Um, that was funny. Um, that was really, really, really funny. Um, so kudos to, to that person. Okay, we have a few other NFC East things to fly through um, if we have no more thoughts on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you like Rihanna, by the way? It's my last question. Yeah, oh, yeah, she killed it. Thought she did great. Yeah. It was awesome. I said this too. Uh, I wrote about the show for SBNation.com. It was hard to enjoy because at that point, it, like I was feeling like, oh, man, it's not going the way i want so i want to change my answer from my favorite song to uh umbrella because that's the only one i could just think of off the top of my head and i panic picked and uh, oh, only week. girl in the world i think that's the that's the best one actually that's a great rihanna song i was a little bit bummed we didn't get disturbia i was really hoping for that um holden said the but... same thing he was sitting right next to me when we were watching the argument my friend holden who is a big yeah. nfc mixtape listener i've been he was like what she's gonna do it right and i'm in this at this point it had been like whatever many like, I, I knew it was winding down i'm like i'm sorry buddy i don't think it's coming yeah i mean that would have been great please don't stop the music would have been cool but i mean i really she already really got to, to so much it. too like i was so that was i was really impressed with that, that they got she got to so much but like it didn't feel yeah. like too much it was the right balance of hit a lot of the great things but also it, don't like make it so much that it doesn't flow at all it was literally the right like you're saying the right amount of each song to sing like mm-hmm. she didn't she yep. didn't stick on one song too long it was just yep. it was perfect it was like like a great dj just like going from one to another um although she was obviously not the dj um okay so uh continuing our theme uh our offseason order obviously will be eagles cowboys giants commanders that is the order that they finished 
the NFC East in this past season. The Dallas Cowboys had no real big news except for the fact uh, I told you this on Friday, uh, right before we recorded the look ahead with Steven. Uh, by the way, Steven, yeah, we went over on all of our uh, same game parlays this season and Steven ruined it. Um, you and I hit we hit really early, actually, um, our, yeah. our legs. So um, way to go, Steven, I mean, for ruining that. I feel really good yeah. about my leg. I said I said on the on the show, like, I think Jalen Hurts not only has a chance to hit the over on this, but I think he has a chance to break the record for Super Bowl rush. And he did look if we're talking about who should feel the best. I took Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown score. He had three freaking touchdowns. So yeah. like as far as the way that metric is evaluated. So like, I mean, let's give me some props here. But um, well, anyway, I see than him breaking. A whatever. Record I, I told you all um, that Thursday night. I we, we had all the this... octopus. Sorry, by the way, too. Right. The touchdown and the two point conversion. Same right, player scoring correct. it. Um, right. So, um, I, um, I told you that Thursday night we were all prepped at BTB and you know how this goes anyone who wants to know how the sausage is made. We had some pre-rides and some graphics ready. DeMarcus Ware, Hall of Famer, boom, right on Chuck Holly. Like I said, only MVP, uh, to lose the Super Bowl. We got the stuff ready, ready, boom. Awesome. Cowboys have two Hall of Famers and I was feeling a little bit sick. I still kind of sound that way. I know that. Um, so I was super excited, Brandon. I was going to like close the laptop. I was going to head over to Hogwarts to start the new game. I had my whole Thursday night plan. Boom. Dak Prescott wins Walter Payton NFL man mm. of the year. Goodbye night. You know how that goes. Uh, mm. And so, I mean, obviously a very cool thing. Um, you know, whether you think Dak Prescott is good or bad, he is a tremendous human being. And so it was really cool to see that happen uh, for him. And so kudos to Dak Prescott. Should have been Brandon Graham. <laughs> or... It should have. I mean, or he should have gotten comeback player of the year. I think it was a disservice to not have Brandon Graham recognized. Okay, so you can't say that Dak Prescott's a wonderful human, despite the fact that he won Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. I mean, I could bring up some things, but I'm not going to do that. It was a great night for Dak Prescott. A uh, great night um, for DeMarcus Ware, obviously, who was on uh, Blog on the Boys last week. People can go back and listen to or watch that interview um, on Blog on the Boys channels. Awesome for Chuck Howley. Uh, did you have a, a hard or strong take on the Hall of Fame class as a whole, obviously, outside of them? No. I don't, honestly, like, I don't really care about the Hall of Fame. Like, pa- like super passionately, I just don't. I don't. Um, I mean, I know it's hard for you today. It was kind of cool to see Joe Thomas get in. Zach Thomas finally got in, former cowboy. Um, once upon a time. Um, uh, so yeah, other than that, it was kind of chalk. Maybe I'll like care more work. when I get older, but I just feel like, you know, some of these players I didn't really you know, like fully watch or like I don't know, like I'm not watching the Joe Thomas. I know he's great, but like I'm not like watching Brown, I'm not watching him play. I don't know. Just don't feel like a strong connection to it. I went to um I told Joe Thomas this. He was on Blog on the Boys a long time ago. Um, I went to Brown's training camp in 2008. I was in the Cleveland area, and me and my dad went. And I met his grandparents. He was a second-year player at the time, Joe Thomas. And his grandparents are the coolest people. Um, they, like, his grandfather had, like, an orange... His grandmother, I'm sorry, had, like, an orange mohawk. Like, they were dressed in all sorts wow. of, like, wild, crazy, cool, fun gear and, like, had all sorts of stuff, like... Uh, so super cool to see them supporting him. So happy for Joe Thomas and his family. Like I said, friend of BTB. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't really have like a, a passionate take. Happy for DeMarcus Ware. Happy for Chuck Alley. Happy for Dak Prescott. Um, did you watch any of NFL honors at all? No. Zero chance. Okay. I went to bed at like, wait, when was that? When were, when that was, was Thursday night. Okay. Thursday night. No, I did not. Yeah. Um, I guess on uh, Cowboys note, just to you know, make sure we get this in here. Um, uh, you know, it was a busy week not covering the Super Bowl because we had a lot of interviews and stuff. Trayvon Diggs uh, stopped by blogging the boys and kind of issued a decree 
and asked Cowboys fans to uh, this is so sad to clamor to get Stefan Dix. Like, he, but like, I'm not making this up. Like, he literally said, "Everybody tweet get Stefan to Dallas." Okay. Um, so, and sure Stefan Diggs. Well, I'm just sure to the be Bills clear, will trade him. Stefan Diggs was uh, interviewed by USA Today the next day on Friday, and he was asked about this. And he was, you know, he was, I think, said the right things, like had enough fun with it, whatever. Neither of them were like, well, we could play together in Buffalo. <laughs> like that was, that oh, was course. never like the argument or like never a line. It was just like, oh yeah, we could play together in Dallas. Like it's just, it's a funny thing. I don't think it happens either, but um, this is a new offseason thing to watch out for. That's all I'm saying. I mean, yeah, the Bills would take on $37.5 million in dead money and actually lose $17 million if they trade him. So. And then even next year, they would take on a $25.7 million in debt. So, like, he's not really tradable until 2025, which is his age 32 season at that point. Yeah. Tough scene. Um, but, um, oh, well. But that's that was the biggest news outside of everything. Um, the New York Giants, on the subject of NFL honors, Brian Dable did win coach of the year. I don't think either of us have a problem with that. It makes sense. Obviously, he had a phenomenal season um i also wrote Kadarius tony in the notes just because he had the big night he, he i think if he takes that punt return back he's super bowl mvp by the way maybe um probably not i mean they love to give it to the quarterback uh yeah brian dable got beat by nick sirianni and spanked um two out of the three times so that's kind of funny uh first i forget what the, mm, i forget what it was first uh I think the Giants are the first team that the Eagles have ever beaten three times in one season. Um, so there you go. Well, that, I mean, that, that doesn't happen a lot, like that opportunity. Right. right. But, so. you know, it's a thing. Um, Dable's great. I thought he maximized the talent. Um, it's, in, it's, it's, it's interesting because progress isn't always linear, as people like to say. And the expectations are higher now. Like, you know, the expectations have been raised because of what he did this year. And the pressure is on. We'll see if he can do it. I think this is a very critical offseason for the Giants. I think, as, as I've said before, they can kind of go one of two ways. I think most fans are just going to assume that it's definitely going up. But there's the potential to kind of get these decisions wrong, depending what happens with the Daniel Jones contract. I think they're going to sign him. But really, the Saquon thing, that's the big thing. Like how they handle right. that situation is a really big decision. If you give him the Zeke contract or something dumb like that, not optimal. Um, but we'll see. I saw, um, I mean, this has been said many times, but I saw Daniel Jeremiah tweeted, I think on Monday, he was like, this running back class is loaded. You know, there's like day, there's starters on day three and it's like, Hey, Cowboys. Hey, everybody listen, like, look at this tweet, like stop doing the thing and do the smart thing, please. Um, I was kind of so surprised. Was the free agency class. Like I said, right, like right, yeah, right. there's a lot of options. Well, but, but to that point, like why pay somebody in free agency? You well, I'm, I'm saying, saying like, wait, like, you can just wait is my point. Right. You don't have to no, go out and I'm saying pay the big bucks, but I'm saying just don't pay anyone and wait. And then eventually someone will probably be available at a good price. Great point. Uh, my last thing on the Giants, um, I had two things, and this is one. Um, I was kind of surprised we didn't get like a line from either of them in, in Super Bowl week. You know what I mean? Like you would have thought that one of them would have been on with somebody and said something about a deal or a contract or whatever. Um, but I don't know, just didn't totally happen. The second thing uh, on the subject of a team being another three times in a season, 2009 Cowboys that beat the Eagles three times in one season, but you know, whatever. Um, and uh, okay, so that's the, uh, the Giants side of things. Washington has a little bit of news going on. Um, so first of all, um, Eric Bieniemy, obviously uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator, is thought to be their potential new offensive coordinator. Um, and it was reported on Tuesday that Greg Roman is going to interview for it as well. So um, they're a long ways away from Scott Turner. 
it it does feel like this is uh i mean the enemy would seemingly be a pretty intriguing hire especially relative to what it seems like they would be able to get and i think there might be something there to the you know old andy reed uh coaching tree that kind of gives rivera an edge mm-hmm. and inside like track to getting that where other teams might not be able to kind of convince him to leave or or work for them as an offensive coordinator um so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one i think that would be a good hire for them uh greg roman everyone likes to hate on him but i mean he has produced some successful offenses so uh and and they really I'd imagine be running, leaning into the running game at that point, but it's weird because um, we don't know who Washington's quarterback will be unless they're just sticking with Sam Howell. Well, that, that would Ron not... Rivera did say that last week. Um, I know you were really busy, but he gave an interview and said, I don't know who it was with, so apologies, but that they're likely going to begin everything with Sam Howell as QB1. But I mean, you know, take that for what you will at this point. In the I mean, season. yeah, you have to say that at this point because he's your only quarterback under contract, right? I mean, I mean, they're going to cut Wentz at some point here and Heineke, I guess, is a free agent. Um, other thing on Washington is that I know Josh Harris, who owns the Sixers, which is so stupid, uh, was touring their facility, I believe, recently. Right. So that's another thing to watch there on the ownership front. Still sounds like Bezos is in play. We'll see. How I want to get your take on this because for me, as it was already weird when Josh Harris bought the Devils because, as you, you, may you brought or may this not up, know, right? Like yeah, the whole yeah. tri-state area geographical the, thing, right? Like, how would you? How would you feel if you were in that situation? Does it matter to you? Um, it definitely seems weird, right? It's definitely weird. It's weird for like the owner of the Sixers to then also own the Devils, the Flyers' rival, and then the Commanders, the Eagles' rival. Like that's a real, and especially because their their buildings are all right there together in South Philly. It's just a strange thing. It doesn't bother me. I mean, like if I if I look at it through my own personal lens, Jerry Jones owns the Cowboys, Jim Crane owns the Astros, and they actually work in partnership with one of they. Uh, this is, I think, interesting. Last week they um, released a joint statement. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like basically like advocating for gambling to become legal in Texas. So like mm. you get those two dudes involved, you know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden, like looks like the, you know, and they obviously realize there's a lot of money to be made there. But anyway, um, and the Glazer family owns Manchester United, and so like. Like, do you think it's weird that they own the Bucks and Manchester United? You know what I mean? Oh, you know, I mean, like, I mean, those are different. Like, realms, like who who is the like who's the like ideal? Countries. I know, but like who like I don't know. Like, like so. My I guess my point. Like, I'm not like attached to Jerry Jones or Jim Crane as a Cowboys or Astros fan. You know what I'm saying? So like, you wouldn't think it's weird if like Jerry Jones also bought like the Phillies and like owned the Phillies too. No, why? Like, why would that? Like, how would that inhibit be weird? It would be a weird dynamic, I feel like. It's just strange. I don't... I mean, like, why? The Phillies <laughs> and, well, like, who are your biggest rivals in the other teams you like? I mean, I guess, like... The Yankees, maybe, for the Astros? Yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to call it a rivalry when they, like, they own them, but... Well, um, whoever. Who would it be? Is there anyone that would apply or no? But, like, it, nothing would apply for me, because, like, I, I wouldn't get, like... I wouldn't be bothered. Like, I'm not rooting the for the Spurs. owner. I mean, Spurs, Spurs are owned by the Holt family. I mean, so still, like, I mean, I think it's weird. What, you don't have to think it's weird, but I think it's weird. Um, I mean, like, it's not a good vibe. You can't tell me that's a good vibe. It's not a good vibe. It's a bad vibe. I don't, who's it a bad vibe for in this case? The, the fans. We're like, this is a weird. No, thing. but like, who? Like, what fans? Like the Commanders fans, Eagles fans, Sixers fans? Like who? Like who's the most? I'm actually asking. Like who's the most impacted? I think Sixers fans. Because, you know, you come in with this ownership and it's like, okay, they're committed to the team, but then they're like buying all these other teams who are, and then it just kind of feels like cheapened, like 
Oh, what if they are committed? Really what if they're team? equally committed to the Sixers and to the Commanders? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think it's weird. By the way, Sixers, um, if they it's lose weird. the NBA it's been finals, like the Sixers are tweeting out like, "Hey, go Eagles!" And the but like they don't mean that. They share a city. Like, what do you mean? Like, they don't mean that. Like, they yeah, the that, owner like, of the team I, doesn't mean that think, though. Like, I think you're ownership. making way too much of uh, like. There are way so like you don't think it's weird that Bryce Harper was a Cowboys fan and then like played for for Washington and then like adopted the Eagles because he became a Philly. That's that's weirder to me than what you're. No, because it's just like a personal choice versus actual ownership and like like apparent rooting interest. Do you think it's weird when and not? Do you think it's weird when former players become owners of teams they didn't play for? Um. No, not really. That's so like the 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 Derek Jeter stuff. Like Derek Jeter owner? was like a part owner or had the like role, like maybe not oh, owner, partial, but like partial owner stuff is like BS though. Like Will what Smith about when they become coaches? The Sixers, but like he's never what, around. It's what about when they moment. become like coaches or prominent figures for like like I don't know? Um, no, like I think Larry, it's like Larry Bird. If Larry Bird like coached the Lakers or something, yeah, or like or like Michael Jordan with the Bobcats, like you know what I'm saying, or not the Bobcats, the Hornets, but like, you know what I'm saying, like what what about nah. that? I mean, not enough of a rivalry factor. I think there, we've too. we've wasted too much time on this. Um, yeah, probably. So, but I was gonna say, um, so the the Philadelphia Union lost the MLS Cup. The Phillies yep. lost the World Series on the same the, day that the Phillies lost the World right. Series. Uh, the Eagles. I lost mean, the let's Super be Bowl. clear though, though, like the Union won. Like I have, you know, like I like the Union. I cheer, but like it's nowhere. Right. Like, <laughs> <we're talking about laughs> right, right. No, but I'm scale, just not I'm just saying what close. like the what the tweets were and what the content has been yes. made around. So the uh, the Union. I, Agreed, like lowest level impact for most fans. No, it ramped up. Right, it was like okay, uh, that's that's a bummer. That sucks, but okay. Whatever. Well, and, it, and then, then it led to the like, if they lose the MLS Cup and the World Series on the same day, like it, like the did, Union loss was worse lost. because of the World Series loss. But so, well, the Phillies uh, lost, lost. The series was over to me at that point. Anyway, I wasn't like right, right, just devastated. They lost. I was more devastated about the game five or whatever it was. But also, it was the, weird because the Eagles were playing that night. Or game, yeah, game five. Right, right. right. Game five was the Chaz McCormick Thursday catch. night, right? Yeah. And, and when they the were, were playing, so it was like kind of weird because I was like, couldn't really even fully focus on that anyway. All right, all that happened this Eagle season. Back to your earlier point, but okay. Um, so uh, Phillies lost the World Series. Eagles lost the Super Bowl. Are you worried about the Sixers? I mean, I'm I am very <laughs> confident the Sixers will not make the finals. I'm extremely. I mean, a, a team that has not done that since 2001. Uh, and also, if you talk about, man, if we were doing, if we were talking about the Sixers at all, like, if I was podcasting about them, like, they are a bad vibe team. They're not a good vibe at all. There's there's a lot right. of big loser energy with uh, that team and some of the players on that team. Um, last thing on the um, the the commanders before we like tie a bow on this um it was reported last week uh in the in the mix of everything that the commanders might not pick up chase young's fifth year option we talked about that when he was you know taking forever to come back like you kind of have to do it but i get it if you're at least thinking about not doing it he's only been available for 26 or 27 out of 50 possible games in his career i mean yeah and you know he wasn't really playing well prior to he got hurt. I mean he only had one and a half sack uh, the before he got hurt in 2021. So it's not really like crazy to me that they wouldn't do that. I mean I think you have to let it play out. I don't think you can just assume, especially um, you know they have more information than we do. Maybe that recovery or that injury was a, a very serious, and they're mm-hmm. kind of worried about what his future is going to look like. So yeah, I think that's the right call. We talked about this too. He's missed. I don't know what it is off the top of my head now, but he's missed like 
I don't know, like 80% of divisional games. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not even like yeah. a huge he's impact. Eagles once or twice. He didn't, twice. I think, I think he played in the first game against Dallas in 2021, but he's missed. Um, well, he mm-hmm. played in the last one, but the last one was inconsequential, obviously for them. But uh, yeah, tough scene. Uh, okay. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, I don't think, I don't know if you touched on Jalen Hurts specifically as much. Ooh. I mean, you, you gave him credit. I'm not saying you didn't. I'm saying like, I mean, how, phenomenal did, did game. This, yeah. Did this change your outlook on him? Are you willing to admit he's the best quarterback in the NFCs? Uh, yes, I think. I think he's clearly very good. I think we we were both, maybe you more than me, uh, wrong about him as far as what we said this time a year ago. Um, he took the leap. I'm I'm not gonna like pick apart the like lack of passing in this game, whatever. I mean, it wasn't required. That was always like the conversation, right? Like, well, we haven't seen it, but it hasn't been necessary. Blah blah. I mean, blah. he made high level throws in this game. Like, no, he, really he did. Incredible throws. I'm, and I I love the decision on the AJ Brown touchdown. Like, I love the like give your guy a chance, you know, type stuff. That's a skill. Um, and yeah. He's a he's a top Trayvon Diggs actually uh tweeted about this right before we or like 10 minutes ago real time. Uh, he's a top 5 quarterback. Like I'm you know, we could sit here and debate like I would take Josh Allen or Joe Burrow like whatever. Mm-hmm. He's he's in that group. I mean, it's Mahomes in his like own universe and then like then the conversation starts for like who do you want next? You can make an argument for Allen, Burrow, Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um that's about it. I would put Dak on the next you know, kind of plane or wave uh, with maybe uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence is on his way there. Justin Herbert's there. Like, I don't put Justin Herbert in the same mix as, as I just said. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. But um, but he's very good. I do think regression's coming for the Eagles as a whole. That's not, again, like a insult or anything, but like the, the rushing success will be an interesting thing to watch. I mean, like how teams attack the Eagles in, in 2023. Um, how smart you have to be. I mean, his season in some ways was very similar to Dak's rookie season. And we saw the way the Cowboys played Dak be different and become different. And he became a better passer. And like a lot of those things improved, like you talked about, like elements and aspects of Jalen's game can improve and get better. Um, So I'm interested to see him kind of take the next step. He's going to get the the big contract, the bag, whatever. He deserves it. Um, He is very, very, very good. And I'm genuinely interested to see what the team looks like with him having to be the driving force when, when the defense does regress, when Kelsey's gone or whatever the case may be. Uh, I mean, it, it is it is going to be Jalen Hurts' team. And I can tell you as a team, you know, as somebody who roots for the Cowboys, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard when, when the quarterback has to be the main guy, because then you end up where we're at saying, like, he needs help. He needs help. He needs help. And so that's I think my last thought is. It's it's a really unfortunate loss, obviously, but you 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 know that it happened in in his rookie contract window. That's a, another bitter pill to swallow. Like this was the time, and and you you came so close. I mean, and there's no shame in that. It's just it's tough. It's tough. It's a big miss opportunity, I think, along the lines of the ethos of this podcast. Though more than one thing can be true. It could also be the beginning of a Hertz window here for some time that sees. You know, I'm not gonna go and say it's you know anything guaranteed to what the chiefs have had but you know something where they're going to you know multiple uh nfc title like the 49ers have you know they've, they've made it there um, right, with, like a, the complete opposite level of quarterback sustainability but yeah like yeah yes, totally but like I'm, sure. in terms of being this nfc staying power i do think uh nothing is guaranteed but i do think because of the landscape and because of hertz and some of the positives that this organization still has going for them moving forward. I think there is credence to them, not like 
guaranteeing they're the one seed every year, but being this like this 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 team in the NFC for multiple seasons where they're a big factor, just like prior to this season, really the Bucks were and the, with Brady and the Packers have been viewed that way for a long time. And the Rams were for a little bit there. Like they've, you know, they're in that staying power kind of class for now until things change. I think I feel very confident. Um, I wrote an article. It was five thoughts after the Super Bowl, whatever, something like that uh, related to the Cowboys. And one of them was that it's a very good time to be a top team in the NFC, right? Like, like true or false, the three best teams in the conference are the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Dyers. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, put them in whatever order you want, like as the season unfolds, like they're like, I feel I if you had to give me those three or the field to win the conference, I would take the three. You know what, what I mean? Justin like, Fields. Um, I mean, not this coming year, but like maybe maybe the Giants get aggressive, maybe maybe the Lions take a step, maybe the Vikings get it together, you know, maybe maybe the Rams kind of come back, maybe the Seahawks get it, but like those are bigger maybe propositions for me. And so, like, I do think that the each conference is is kind of top heavy. Like, you've got the three teams I mentioned in the NFC and the AFC. I, I mean, I would say the foils. I would say the Chiefs right now are akin to the Eagles, right? Like, kind of the top team in the conference, and obviously the team that won the Super Bowl. I would say the Bengals are very akin to the Niners, right? Like, kind of find a way to get it done. Always like a super huge threat. And the Bills or the Cowboys, lots of potential, a little bit erratic, and you know, right now has a quarterback that needs a little bit more help than the the one main piece he has: Stephon Diggs and Buffalo, C.D. Lamb and Dallas, and um, so those are the, the six teams. Again, I would almost take those six teams over the entire field of the NFL. I think the field at the game at the Super Bowl, which is really bad, is still better than Justin Fields is as a quarterback. Um, okay, let's leave. Um, let's get out of here. Let's just do it. Um, I'm exit out of the window here. Can last I that? thing, mess up g- the podcast if I just close. Give the us two words, please. I'm tired.